My name is Catalina del Carmen, and I'm on a mission to put more cash in the hands of women of color. I'm a wife, mom, amiga, prima, and I happen to run a multiple six-figure coaching business. On this show, I share sales and marketing strategies that keep your business simple, your mindset focused, your bank account big, and your impact even bigger. So if you are on a mission to create generational change and you want to make a lot of money doing it, welcome to the Latinas Booked Out podcast. What is up, y'all? Welcome back to Latinas Booked Out podcast. I hope you are having a wonderful, wonderful start to your week. Y'all, I am so excited for today's episode, so much so that I'm just going to dive into it. Today's episode, I have a very special guest. You guys know I don't have many guests on my show. And if there are guests, they're typically my clients who are doing amazing things, or they are my friends, my colleagues. And today I have the amazing Linda Garcia. So Linda Garcia is the CEO of The Chosen 100 LLC and founder of In Loose We Trust. Some of you may follow In Loose We Trust on Instagram. If you don't, go follow them right now. Or I'll, I'll add it to the bottom. But this woman is someone that I have been following for a really long time, and she is coming out with her newest book, Wealth Warrior, in April of 2023. I believe it's April 11th. And I wanted to have her on the show to talk about her amazing story and her thoughts about money. I loved her story because I am somebody who found found a like a way to wealth through stocks when I worked in tech and I never talk about this on the podcast but some when I was working in tech I remember that when I would have when I would when I would go to job interviews and I went to many y'all I went to many 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 trying to get into the tech industry it was very difficult for me but when I finally got the jobs that I wanted, I would always ask, like if I didn't get the salary I wanted, I would always negotiate the having a portion of it be in stocks. And I really didn't understand stocks fully, but I thought like, this must be helpful. And I started distributing a portion of my paycheck to buy stock in the company that I worked for. And it's just something I did. And I didn't really know why. I was just like, look, you know, the, the rich people are doing it. Uh, by rich people, I mean my coworkers who grew up rich. They're doing it. So I'm, I probably should do it too. And it turns out that it generated a whole lot of wealth for me as an adult. And now Paul and I have a really diverse portfolio in terms of wealth because not only do we have investments in index funds and ETFs, which I will not explain it on the show, but um, go look them up right now and go invest in them right now. But because I also have stock in certain public companies, our portfolio is pretty diverse. And I wanted to have her on the show because I don't know any other Latina who talks about stock picking. So I have I have her on the show. So 
Linda Garcia is a bomb ass woman. Let me tell you a little bit about her. So she's a California native and proud Latina. Linda Garcia spent 17 years working in TV and film industry, helping well-recognized TV networks, movie studios, and streaming services build programming for the U.S. Hispanic market. Despite enjoying her work, Linda knew there was more to life than working to make someone else rich. Eventually, she took the knowledge that she gained and used it to launch Let There Be Loose podcast, a weekly podcast aimed to channel one's spiritual journey, which Linda concluded at the 101st episode. In 2019, After relocating to Dallas, Linda's spiritual journey led her to what she considers her life's purpose, to help the Latinx community heal the generational money wounds that prevent them from achieving wealth. Ding, ding, motherfucking ding. (laughs) This is why I wanted to have her on the show. This is why. In 2020, at the height of the pandemic, Linda launched her first stock market course for beginners and created rapidly growing community of Latinx investors on Patreon and Instagram Instagram known as In Loose We Trust. Today, Linda is a published children's book author, a self-made business owner, and a guide and guiding loose for thousands of BIPOC folks who are looking to break free from the limited, from limiting and toxic money mentalities. Linda's book, Wealth Warrior, is set to be released in April 2023, April 11th to be exact. And I am so excited for this book. You guys, this woman... I mean, this just encapsulates, honestly, just a little portion of her story. But this woman has been through hell and back. She has lived so many lives in for for such a young person still. Um, You're going to hear about how she became a mother at 13. And you'll also hear how she got herself out of some very toxic habits and people and how she got herself out of these journeys. Like when she told me her story, y'all, I was just like, my mouth was just on the floor because I just had no idea. If you go check out her Instagram, you'll see she is an incredibly confident woman who, you know, her the branding is very like rich bitch energy, right? Like in, in the best way. And hearing her story, it was just, it was powerful. It was so, so powerful. So get ready to hear an incredible story by a Latina who is really paving the way for so many people. Y'all are really, really going to enjoy this episode. All right, y'all, let's get started.
Everybody, I hope you are ready for an incredible conversation because everything this woman says <laughs> blows my mind usually. She is known, at least in my head, you're known for your Twitter mic drops. <laughs> and and I love Twitter. My audience knows I post a lot of Twitter and I do a lot of that in my own kind of world of coaching and selling and marketing. But I love what you do and I'm so grateful you're here. Welcome to Latinas Booked Out uh, Podcast. How are you doing today in the midst of all the madness that is your new book coming out? Thank you so much, first of all, Kat, for having me. It's an absolute honor to be here. I'm excited. I'm doing well. I am, you know, I've got roasted chicken in the oven and (laughs) just finished another a podcast on this one. So I'm just excited to be here. It's like we can do all the things. It works. Wait, is this office in your home? Yes. Yeah. That is wild. It looks like a whole world, like yeah. a whole different world. That's amazing. It absolutely is. It's my space. When you come in here, it feels like you're in like a studio, you know, and then I still have like mommy at the door <laughs> knocking. Yeah, 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 for sure, for sure. I I have my own office, but I just came in here about a couple, maybe a month ago, actually. Um, post I'm five months post or six months postpartum. So I just got my office back, but I have it away from home because I yeah. can't I can't do it, man. I got a toddler and a baby. <laughs> no, I hear you. I hear you. I am looking forward to the day where I can drive. And feel yeah. somewhat normal, you know. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, for yeah. now, here we are. No, but it's so. If what I'm looking at is so so cool. Okay, let's get into it. There's so much I want to ask you about. Um, for I, I mean, I already did an introduction before this, but I just I want to actually start out with letting everyone know that you have a book coming out. I know people wait until the end, but I just want to like start with this. You Thank have a you. book coming out April 11th, I believe, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Called Wealth Warrior, Eight Steps for Communities of Color to Conquer the Stock Market. The reason I, I follow a lot of money folks and I have a lot of clients who are money coaches. And one thing I love about, especially people of color in the money space is their perspectives are so much like they were just so refreshing as a person of color um to find safety in yeah. in spending your money and budgeting and investing like all these different perspectives but one thing i learned about you in the be- i it had it was mindset and it was um I don't know if people know the term stock picking. We'll talk a little bit about that later. Um, But why I loved what you were talking about is because there's a lot of talk about long-term investing, like Roth IRAs and I'll explain all this later, guys, for those who don't understand, like index funds and ETFs and all that, which are like, everyone should also do those. Absolutely. (laughs) Um, But I made a lot of money in stocks because someone at work, very similar to your story, I was in tech and someone at work was like, you should, I think you should put a percentage of your money and put it into buying stocks. And I was just like, okay. And I did that. And I was in my mid twenties at that point. And now 10 years later, I have a lot of money in stocks and I didn't even like, I feel like I didn't even work 
to create it. And because I wish- you didn't. I, know, <laughs> you know, I wish I would have known the impact that it would have had then, right? Like I would have thrown a lot more money at it then. So I'm really excited to have this conversation um, about individual stock picking and what that kind of looks like for our community. And that's one of the reasons I wanted to have you on the show um, outside of just a, a whole lot of brilliance. But let's start with your story. Cause I think well, that has to yeah, go yeah. ahead. But really quickly, I don't want it to just like go past us because I have so many conversations on podcasts with folks and it is rare that I get to come across someone that has invested in the stock in stocks directly, not via their Roth, not via their 401k, et cetera, not having exposure in this way. So I think it's such a big deal because it's important for us to understand that only 15% of Americans are investing directly in stock. We 56% have exposure via their retirement accounts, but only 15% are directly investing. So you already know the power that it holds. And I think that is so important because you can really help me speak to this. It's not just me speaking on it from my perspective and my understanding and what I've learned, but we can actually have a conversation about it, which is so rare. And it is something that is so needed in the community. So I just want to say congratulations on owning stock. It's a big deal. Thank you. Thank you. I never, ever, ever even think about it that way because I was so young. Actually, can I add one thing? Because we're about to get into your story and you're going to talk about this, but I don't want to forget saying this. One reason why I have stocks additionally to this friend is because when I I did a lot of um, interviews and hiring and I, I, it was it was kind of hard to get a tech job in the beginning of my um, career. But when I did, I would always negotiate my pay. And when I didn't get what I fully wanted, I always asked for the rest in stock. I don't know who told uh, me that. I was just like, well, can you, can you like give me the 10K in stock? <laughs> I didn't even know what the fuck stock was. <laughs> like, really? I just would ask for it. And then it all like, I'm telling you, there is a genius to what Linda does, y'all. And I really want you to listen because I can't articulate this shit. For me, it feels like it fell on my lap out of just plain decisions. But like we need people like you in our in in our community and in this industry because I still don't even freaking understand the stock market, really. Yeah. Like, and I've got money in there. So let's start about well, actually. I want to start at the beginning of your story because I um, read a little bit about your story and I know um, it said something about you being a single mother. So bring us to the beginning, especially from a money mindset point of view. Like how has did your journey start from from understanding money? Yeah. So, you know, child of immigrants. So typical I don't want to say typical, but, you know, I mean, I feel like there is a theme with immigrant children and our scarcity mindset. Our parents were very mindful of money, of course, as they should be, you know, and working multiple jobs and just the penny pinching and scraping and getting just barely getting by. So I watched that trajectory and I also watched my mom uh, who had a really big impact actually on my journey, the more and more I reflect on her ability to 
clean houses, babysit, sell tacos at the fabrica, work at the fabrica nights, and somehow manage to be brave enough as an immigrant to purchase a house, you know, in the 80s. And to me, that's extremely admirable. And so she's like the OG wealth warrior, like just getting to see her elevate and then zero in on her craft, like letting go of the babysitting, letting go of the fabrica, letting go of the selling tacos, and then just doubling down on her cleaning, like cleaning houses. And she didn't hire people or she didn't build that type of business, which I wish she would have, but she, she, she was just, she loved cleaning. She's a Virgo. So it's like her jam, you know? Um, but she developed a really strong clientele and she just up leveled all of like up leveled our family. And so I think getting to watch that, however, with that being said, she still is very rooted in scarcity. Even though she was able to do that, she still has a lot of scarcity, money mentality, um, issues that she's maybe not working through and she's just accepted. So that's who I had. Um, looking up to. Unfortunately, I only got to live with my parents until the age of 12. I was a really big troublemaker. Um, I got pregnant at 13 years old and I had my child at 14. So I was a teen mom and I was living with a family that was not, that was like her father's family, my family, everything was just disconnected for me personally. So I was on this solo journey. Um, you know, with her parents. And by the grace of source, God, universe, I had incredible teachers who really took me under their wing and just ushered me through a lot of leadership experiences. Like I started public speaking at a very early age in high school. I started competing. I started building 30-page marketing plans. I was senior class vice president. I was, at one point I was uh, captain of the cheerleaders uh, of the junior varsity cheerleaders. Um, I was just really in the space of because I had a daughter, because I had a baby, I needed to, to, to like thrive. I needed to make sure that I put myself in spaces and yeah. push myself in experiences where I could, I wanted to be a leader to be honest. And that's what it looked like for me was via my high school career you know, it's weird to call it a career, but that's what it felt. That's how serious it was for me. That's incredible. By the way, we have a lot in common. I was, I don't have a, I didn't have a baby that young, um, but I was also class president and also just felt like it was, I was class president three years in a row and I just wow. like wanted to be somebody like, I didn't know what that looked like. Yes. First of all, Wow pregnant at 13, baby yeah. at 14, you were a child, having yeah. a child. I can't imagine just the mental load of that, especially for, I say unexperienced person, but like unexperienced human, right? Like this little yeah. human who is, wow. Tell me about like, how did the leader, like you said, there was really good people that like helped mm -hmm. you along the way. Like how did how did you mentally, what did you tell yourself during yeah, this, the journey? Sure. This is a really good question. So right before this, I want to paint the picture so you can kind of get an idea. Uh, prior to this, I was being heavily bullied 
um, all throughout fourth, fifth, and sixth grade. And when I say heavy, I mean heavy. I'm talking like my phone at our house would ring nonstop. My mom would have to put it off the hook. We'd get death threats, two by fours thrown through our windows. Like people wanted me like unalived. And I was so young. And I really honestly couldn't understand why. You know, I was like a little girl. I mean, I'm in fourth grade. You know, I would constantly just get picked on by girls. And you talk like a white girl and, you know, all those things. And I just didn't fit in. And so I, my mom moved me out of schools and she put me in Laguna Beach, California, which if you know anything about Laguna Beach, California, it's like way different from where I was accustomed very white to and very yeah, exactly. And then, so over there, I wasn't white enough you know, so it was a whole other experience. And, um, I then decided to move to Texas with my dad. My parents had gotten a divorce and I was going to like restart my life, not be bullied. And I decided that I was going to put on this facade and pretend to be a lot tougher than what I was way tougher than what I was. I was like, no, one's going to bully me ever again. Like And so I took on that persona and I ended up becoming a bully. And I also ended up becoming like in a really rapid amount of time, becoming like leader of the, of the bad girls at my school in, in Texas. And, um, I watched myself like do that in a short period of time. And it's funny because there's always this Linda that sits back and analyzes things, even at a very young age. And then there's one that's acting upon what she's doing. And so when I found out I was pregnant, my father did give me an ultimatum, like you either abort or you're like, you're not going to have my last name. Like we're not, I'm not taking care of you. Um, and I, it's not that I wanted to have my daughter at such a young age. Cause I knew I was in for a really challenging life, but it was just, I, I call it like her will to live. It was like, she inside of me, let me know that she was. Thank you for sharing this, by the way, like I'm in tears And I really appreciate your vulnerability. Um, So just thank you. I could imagine what this feels like. I felt like she communicated that she had her own mission in life. And that it was going to be hard, but that we would get through it. And so I I didn't want any part of it, just completely honest. But it was like, I took it upon as a mission. And so from that moment forward, I told myself, like, if I am able to assume a leadership role in such a short amount of time, I wonder what would happen if I would apply myself to assume a leadership position and something that is positive and not negative. Like, what would that look like for me? And so from that moment forward, from the moment I found out that I was going to have this little girl, I was that was it for me. Like nothing was getting in my way. Not, not one single thing was going to get in my way. And I was going to somehow make it whatever that looked like success. Like you said earlier, whatever that looked like, like I was going to do that. So I was just practicing my, you know, being in 
a freshman and cheerleader, like practicing just any way that I could, any style of leadership. And yeah, which is so crazy to be 42 years old right now and reflect on that, like how strategic I was, you know? um, I mean, you had to learn. I mean, it's like, from, I guess, somewhere between, because if you start with the bullying, it's like somewhere between nine, eight, nine, and the end of high school, you lived like what people live in like their entire twenties, um, versions of that. Thank you for sharing that. And thank you for being vulnerable. Um, I just, I don't know. I just, it, I love your, I did not know this about your story and I'm just really grateful that you're sharing it because I think a lot of people need to understand that like they see people like you and they see, you know, the fucking badass photo shoots and the money flying everywhere and the book coming out and you know, your launches of your programs, right? Oh, she has two pages. And I just want to like sit with the fact that everybody has a story and you have an incredible story and you really at such a young age, you had to live through so much. I want to share three thoughts that you shared. Well, one, I want to props to your mom. Yeah. Big props to your mom. Um, my mom. So my, I, she, I'm just seeing a lot of parallels the fact that your mom took you out of that school and was like, you're going to Laguna beach now is something my mom literally did the same with my older sister. We lived in San Francisco in the nineties by mission and her friends, a lot of her friends were getting pregnant. I remember in middle school and I was like nine or whatever. And she's like, we're moving and that's it. Like, that's just what's going to happen. You're no longer. And for moms to take that quick of action and just being like, this is happening now. We don't know what's going to happen. I just props to your mom. Yeah. And then also you said two things that I want to point out. You said, no one is ever going to bully me again. And then you said, nothing is going to get in my way. And I do a lot of thought work and mindset work with my clients. And I, I just loved those two phrases that you said, because when you hold on to that kind of thing, when you hold on to words and you take them as new truths, they they could be so powerful. And I imagine that you had a, God, I want to hug that version of you and give her so much love. You're amazing. Thank you. Thank you. so you you had a lot of adversity. You you got into this positive space, more I mean positive but very hard working, I'm sure, into high school. What did it look like? And by the way, your your what a gift your daughter is. Yes, she's incredible. She just I want to give her her flowers really quick cuz she is she owns a school. She opened up a school. She has her own Montessori school. And so she works with children and she makes sure to bring like the Montessori experience to children of color and underserved communities. And she's just getting started. And it's just so incredible to see. Like, I can't wait to see what else she does with her life. That is incredible. What's her name? Elizabeth, Elizabeth Ruiz. Elizabeth. Ah, shout out to her. 
Okay. Um, let's continue this conversation. Give us a glimpse onto you started getting into school. You started becoming a leader, like doing your best to like, let's figure out what a leader is for you. How did that, it's so funny, the second part of your life, but like out of the next version of your life mold into while, while you were raising a child, um, what did, what did that look like starting, you know, you graduated new careers, new growth and what yeah. led you to, yeah. What was yeah. Next? So the, the amazing thing was that she did have her grandma um, on her dad's side and her dad's family to help support this journey. So it wasn't me by myself. We had the support of her dad's side of the family. So that was really important to my own personal growth in like, it was, it, it felt like to me, like they were helping me with the first half and then I could get on to see what, how we were going to pave the way for the rest, you know, for the future to come. Yeah. Um, which was, I know, I realized that it's an opportunity that not all teen moms get, um, not all teen moms get this type, type of support. It was, I also have to be really true to who I am and be completely honest and transparent and say that it was also a very, very dark era for probably the darkest was living there during that time, like living those years there. Um, Mm. It was very heavy. And so I think like a lot of the trauma that took place during that time when my daughter was small and during that era really ended up affecting me in my twenties, um, I started to self-medicate. I started to uh, drink. It's almost like I had two, two lives because I was also going to business school and I was doing everything I could to move through business school. But simultaneously I had like three or four jobs that I was working while I'm going to business school. And then I'm self-medicating at night and just like drinking and I start to do a hard drug. And all of this is like in secret. It's not like out in the open. Like I was living a a second life. Um, And then I did try to unalive myself um, three times. I was just tired. That was my thing is like, I'm tired. I'm just tired. Like I can't work another job. I can't do another homework. I just can't do it anymore. And on the third uh, time, it didn't work again. And I just did this massive prayer of like, okay, I understand I'm here for a reason. Then I'm asking to just, then let me serve. Then at least give me clarity on what that reason is. And like guide me because I feel alone. I feel unsupported. So I just started to make requests of what it was that I needed. And I did start to feel the universe come in and support. And I did start to really understand, I think more than anything, like the power of the word, like you were just saying now in terms of like saying, making decisions, stating them, declaring them almost. And um, I began just navigating my life through the power of my words. And I would watch everything show up as I needed. And it wasn't that it got easier because there were times where it did get harder, but I am definitely living in the in the like peace and in the blissful part of my life where all of the darkness is behind me and we've 
you know, we're, we're moving forward. So yeah, it was, it was hard. Very. I would say it almost felt like my twenties was even harder at some points, I think, because I was having to face a lot of my trauma. Um, Yeah. And and you're also a little more independent because I imagine as a teen mom, it's a lot of people telling you what to do and kind of even, I don't know, you could tell me, but I imagine it's a lot of like adults telling you what is right and what is wrong and like the way to do things and the way to raise your baby and the, what you should do. And like, it's easier to listen. I imagine. Um, I don't know at that time, but in your twenties, it's like, Oh shit. Yeah. You know, I think one thing about me is I paid attention to to not just what was being said to me, but who was saying it and how they were behaving. And mm. so if you weren't behaving accordingly, then you could you could clap and do whatever you want till the cows came home. I'm not budging. I, yeah, like I'm not going to listen to you if if exactly yeah. exactly. Uh, so there was a lot of that. There was a lot of like I'm going to figure this out the way I need to figure it out, and nothing is going to manipulate me. Not not a religion, not a church, not a community, not a school. Not I was always just really pushing boundaries and investigating. Like I want to know the truth. I know one thing is true: people lie, people mislead, people do really bad things. And so I want to assess and create in this space understanding that if anyone has the best decisions, it's probably going for me and my life. It's probably going to be me. Just because to me, that's the obvious. It's not somebody that knows better or is older. It has to be me. And that's pretty like grown ass, radical ass thinking for a, in your 20s or even in, in your te- late teens or whatever age that like I'm working on that now, right? My clients are working on that now. Like I am the best person to make these decisions and for you to tell yourself that even at an early age, like, no, 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 Like I'm watching you. I'm watching you. And if your words don't align with like how you show up, then you're an ex in my book. Like, I'm not going to trust what you say. Yeah. Wow. What a life. Yes. What a life. You need to do an autobiography too. (laughs) (laughs) That is incredible. Wow. 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 Okay. Well, Thank you for sharing that. Um, how did, so especially when you were in that phase in your twenties, I believe mm-hmm. when you were doing drugs, testing out the waters in a dark place, mm-hmm. um, really dabbling with not being alive, taking mm-hmm. action on it, not working. How do you get yourself out of yeah. such a dark place? Yeah. It's crazy because, you know, um, I didn't, I, I definitely think that, you know, we should do therapy. I didn't end up doing therapy until my 30s, but I basically just told myself, no more of this. Like, that's enough. Like, no more drugs. Absolutely no more drugs. And, um, I came clean to my best friend and I admitted like, Hey, I have this problem. This is what I did. 
And I just went on a binge. I need you to come over and make sure because I won't do it in front of you. And I just need you to stay with me until I'm over this binge and I'm never going to touch it again. And I didn't. And um, I, I think I really, I was really just finding myself really, like even when I was using drugs, like it was all a search to find myself. Like shortly after that, I started, I read the Bible cover to cover. I was really just being like, almost like this researcher slash detective on trying to understand how the best way forward was for me personally and what that would look like. So then I started to dive into a lot of self-help books. So by the second half of my 20s, I was already like on back on track. We're like back where we're supposed to be. We did what we did. It served us. We learned so much. No one can take that experience away from us. And now it's just this journey inward of trying to find myself. So there was a lot of like fasting. There was a lot of prayer. There was a lot of meditating. There was a lot of grounding. There was a lot of time spent in nature, just really coming back to the basics and being committed, like coming back to being committed to myself and who I am at the core and who I wanted to see myself become. Like there was no way I had gone through all of that, made it this far just to not make it, you know, all the way through. (laughs) Hell yeah. I mean, that's living a lot of lives, a lot, a lot, a lot of lives. So when did you start working and like, and I mean, working in terms of, cause I know one big part of your money story and investing came from the advice that a coworker gave you. Um, what did, what kind of like, how did you evolve as a professional, should I say? And how did that journey look? Yeah. So I was working at Netflix at the time in tech. And I think there's something really. <laughs> That's a, Netflix yes. is a big deal in the it Bay Area. Was, oh my. Well, it was a huge deal when I, when I started because it was like in the beginning, it was 2012. And there was only one other Latina in the company that was working there. So it was like a big deal. And there were so many times where I'm like, how the fuck did I get here? You know, like seriously, like how am I here? Um, yeah, it was an incredible time to work there. They had just started with, uh, they had picked up house of cards and orange is the new black. So it was very obvious that they were going to disrupt Hollywood, not just blockbuster. That was a thing, but now they had their eyes set on Hollywood and they were already disrupting. They were about to disrupt really the way we ingest content and how we binge and no commercials and all of that. Um, So I was in a really unique space and I got to really understand, as you know, working in a, in a tech company, the, the way money flows in tech companies is completely opposite from anyone that has a scarcity mindset. The idea is that money is abundant and you can raise the hell out of it and you spend it to reinvest. And if you burn it all, there's more that you can raise later, you know? So I really started to see like, wow, I I was almost absorbing that end, that, that money story by osmosis working in the tech company and just hearing about how the money was flowing in and out and in and out. And, um, then I had a, a colleague, a white colleague, a male, that he would continuously just educate me on stocks and always like 
tried to explain to me why I needed to invest. He started showing me his portfolio and I got to see like the spikes on his portfolio. I got to see his growth. And so it took me about six months before I actually took the plunge listening to him. And then I did it. And then I just, I I stopped tapping him as a resource because I also didn't want to like, you know, I had so many questions. So I went on this quest to really try and understand stocks just so that I could start purchasing stocks in other companies because I had started to see the growth that I was obtaining. And so I needed very similar to you, like I'm doing this, but I don't know what I'm doing or what this means. And so I just started to to research. And I think something about myself that I've learned throughout the years is that I really, really love data and I really, really love research and I love learning new things. I think that for me, learning new things just makes me more creative and I can dive into topics and it brings me so much pleasure. So I was going all the way in on the stock market and really trying to understand what this meant. Um, And this was solely just for my own personal gain. I never thought that I would be public with this one, porque no se habla de dinero. You know, you don't talk about money. You don't tell people how much money you have. You sure as hell don't show them your portfolio because te van a ser mal de ojo and you're going to lose everything and all the things we believe, you know? Mm-hmm. And I just started to um, really come to terms with if I'm not sharing, then am I gatekeeping? Mm-hmm. And yes. And am I a resource that our community can potentially tap into? So I actually have a question about this. I wasn't planning on asking you this, um, but it's, it's exactly this topic. I know when you started on social media and like just started on social media, you weren't talking about money. I don't think, no. were you? No. Yeah. Okay. And going from X to let's talk about money and let me like share the deets, right? That takes a lot of just like mindset work. A lot of people have opinions. A lot of people could think not only just family, y'all, this is friends (laughs) can have opinions. Tell me how, like, tell me about that transition. Like, what got you comfortable just sharing your journey? Whether it was, I mean, your journey is money, right? Like, I mean, in terms of like talking about money and becoming the wealth warrior you are, right? But how was that transition of sharing, right? You were talking about like not gatekeeping. Like, what yeah. did you have? What was the, your mindset in terms of like, I have to do this even when it feels uncomfortable? Oh my goodness. Yes. Well, I was talking about spirituality at the time, like intuition. That was my jam, following your intuition. And I had a podcast at the time called Let There Be Lose. And on Let There Be Lose, I was very open about my relationship with money and how like I couldn't make money. Like I was falling flat on my face when it came to like charging for my events that I would produce and you know, anything that were monetary exchange, I was like always doing, asking for the bare minimum, knowing that what I was providing had so much value and had the uh, potential to really impact and generate change in that person's life. So mind you, there's this person that's wrapped in scarcity, but at the same time, there's this other person 
that is studying the stock and is investing in the stock and at the time has a really strong portfolio. I think at the time I had about around $300,000. And, but I couldn't compute that as me. You know, I was, it was like disassociated from that part of myself because I had the number one rule when you're investing into the market is I had an intention for my money. And that intention for that money was to buy a house. And I was nowhere near in the vicinity to buy a house. Mind you, I had gotten laid off. My partner got laid off. Um, We were trying for a child. And it just so happened that when we tried, we, this happened to be when we got laid off. That's when we got pregnant. So I sort of found myself in this kind of the same place where I found myself with my first child where I'm like, there's this scarcity and there's this fear of not having money, you know, and being able to take care of. But I never, ever tapped into the stock market, the money from the stock market, because it had its intention and I needed for it to run. Oh, thank God. Yes, exactly. And so I then, um, I, I shared a little bit, a glimpse about owning stocks and I was shocked at the response that we got on the, for the podcast. Like, I love that you talked about this and, you know, people got really hyped up, but I was like, okay, that's enough. I didn't touch it again. And then the pandemic hits Italy. It is. It was in China in in December into January, and then towards the end of January, it moves into Italy. And for me, as someone that had been studying the stock market, and for someone that had been studying wealth in general and how wealth was generated, I understood that millionaires were born in 2008 during the housing crash, and we were waiting on the next crisis. Yeah, and I knew. I mean, you know, obviously there's also fear as a mother and as a human being when you we would see all the things we would see on the news. But I also knew this is going this crisis is going to be a massive opportunity for millionaires to be born. And so I saw it right away in um, at the end of January, beginning of February. And I started to like call my friends and family and asking them open a brokerage account, set money aside the pandemic's going to hit the United States and you're going to need to invest money. And everyone around me was like, are you okay? Yeah. I was going to say like, that is, that's some powerful words. Like if I were to do that to my family, they'd be like, what the fuck? No. Yes, exactly. You're like, oh. Are you okay? My closest, my mom has, um, you know, my mom has mental illness and it's like, are, you know, maybe you should like get some sleep, like have you, maybe it's time to see a doctor. And I was like, no, you don't get it. Like you don't see what I'm seeing. And so I started sharing it on my, I was at a desperation because I was like, someone has to listen to me. And so I start sharing on my stories and I was surprised by how many people were like, tell me more, tell me more. And then asking me for resources. And I really didn't have a resource to hand over because mind you, I had been investing or learning about investing since 2012. I started at the beginning of 2013 and I had time in the market. The market was teaching me and I was Googling and I was reading investing books that made absolutely no sense. And I'd put the book down and Google the word, read the rest of the sentence, Google another word in the sentence. Like it was a process. And so I thought to myself, 
what if I just make a workshop on it and like teach high level basics? And that's how it started. Wow. I didn't even know how fresh it was. It's that's like not that long ago. Wow. That is incredible. Well, thank God that you did that work and you did the studying and you, you know, you researched and figured all that out because now so many people because of your work have investment portfolios or starting investment portfolios. And with this book, hopefully that multiplies so much more in communities of color in our communities and our spaces and all of that. That is incredible. Yeah. I mean, the stock ended up buying me a house, so it did exactly what I intended it for it to do. 120,000, which I did not work for, was all gains in the stock market, went towards a down payment to a, a, a modest home. Um, but I, my loan, what I qualified for was very minimal. So I made up the difference with the down payment, which was, that's the beauty of investing and like the type of freedom that you're given because I'm not, I wasn't cornered into a certain neighborhood where I could afford X, Y, Z. I could front the rest of the money myself via the stock market. Um, I still have stock in Netflix. A third of it is still in there. Another third went to fund the rest of my holdings that I have into other companies. And so that money has given me great, 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 great grandchildren, and it continues to do so. Um, It has its own babies and its own life of its own. And so the book is incredibly easy to read. It is very, very digestible. It has my entire story intertwined into the book. So you get a lot of brain breaks, which I think is really important when you're reading something so dense. And it just gives you the lay of the land. It's just like a blueprint on how to get started. Um, And I think it's important because the top 10%, um, the top wealthiest people in this country own 89% of stocks. And so that is just a testament on how inaccessible the stock market is to a lot of us. And so we need more resources like Wealth Warrior, like this book. We need more, you know, women, people of color talking about their experience and how much money they're making and sharing their portfolio. And I just want to make sure that I'm being as transparent as possible just like that white man was with me when he educated me so that we can see what is possible for us. A hundred, a hundred percent. You know, what's funny is I, cause I'm a business coach and I teach marketing and sales. So I'm comfortable selling my business numbers, but I get weird talking about like my wealth outside of my business, like sure. stocks and things like that. I'm like, Oh no, I don't want, you know, it's too much. It's too braggy. It's too this, it's too that. Um, so I understand the feeling completely. Oh yeah. I mean, touching on that, going back to your question, making the decision to be a resource was not easy. It was really, really hard. It wasn't like, I'm just, I knew I needed to get this message out. It was absolutely 1000% a calling and the calling to do it was 
loud and it went on for a while. And I was just like, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to talk about this. There's no way I can do this. What are people going to say? They're going to criticize me, get capitalism. And I knew there were, I was going to have to face all of these different perspectives. And where was I going to land on this? How was I going to defend myself? If I needed to defend myself, what were people going to think? There was just so much. And I was like, I can't, I can't. And the calling became so loud and so big that it was almost like, I can't not share this. I have to share. And eventually that was easier for me to do. But even like when I first landed the book deal, like even just having the book deal, I was just like, I don't think I can do this. I felt such a big responsibility for people of color that like, for those that will come after me, I hope that there I hope there's hundreds of books published by people of color on the stock market, you know, but for right now, this is this like this is it, you know, and Literally. that's <laughs> wild to me, specifically pertaining to stock picking, not pertaining yeah. to as we mentioned, you know, for sure, for sure, for sure. Okay, I really quickly want to touch a little more deeply on scarcity mindset because it's something you already mentioned it, but I've heard you talk about this throughout your content and I know you're going to talk about it in the book as well. Um, I want to talk about the way, and it doesn't have to, you actually said not typically, you said typically our communicator, not typically. I try not, I try to do this too. I'm like, okay, let's not put these generalizations on our community. Um, a lot of the work I do, like a lot of the work I do with my clients is helping them look and believe new things about Mm -hmm. our own community. Because a lot of my clients, well, all of them are coaches and they care deeply about their community, whatever that community is. And when you care so much about the community, it's so easy for us to believe what we're conditioned to believe about, um, mainly for my community, it's a lot of Latinas, people of color. And we tell each other these stories of my clients can't afford my coaching. My clients um, have, you know, student loan debt and can't afford this. My potential, my audience would never pay this much uh, for X, Y, Z. And I help them unravel that. And what I've loved hearing you talk about money is just thinking about money differently in a, in a much more, I mean, this is why, right? Wealth warrior thinking about money is like infinite and available and it's here. It's not far from us. It's like literally right here. Tell us what keeps people like what mindsets Mm -hmm. keep people from not investing, not making money. And, and what, how do we need to think different? Like, what do we need to think to really step into that? Like, fearless, like, let's do this. I'm betting on my, I'm betting on myself. Yes. Well, I think a couple of things here really quickly that I want to touch on. How pissed off would we be if some white man was like, this community can't afford yada, yada, yada. This community will never do da, 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 da. Like all the things that we say about our own community, we would be freaking livid 
if we heard a white man or a white woman say that about our community. So why are we okay with saying it about our own community? This is the typical example. By the way, this is something that I struggled with too. So I'm not above it. I'm not saying I'm not disassociating myself with it, just so we're clear. I I continue to battle this. I continue to try and make peace with it, and I continue to, to work on this practice. But the moment that we start to place these limitations, not just on ourselves, but on our entire community, we need to understand that that type of thinking is exactly what is keeping us all collectively down. That is the, the embodiment of crabs in a barrel. Every time you say that, you're grabbing the Latina that is trying to climb one notch above and pulling her down and saying, you don't have, she did, we don't have the money to do this. We can't afford this and that. Oh, so true. This is, this is exactly, cause this is, yeah, this is exactly what I'm talking about. Like we have to start. And here's what I, I, I do a lot of this. It's funny. I have it right here. I do a lot of this with clients and I'm like, but the truth is what? But the truth is we have a Latina right in front of us who's, ha- who's invested in, in, in stocks and has created massive wealth because of it, has been able to buy a home because of it. We have two Latinas talking who both have stocks and who both invest in themselves. And like, this is real. This is also real just as much as there are real realities of underserved communities. Like we're not dismissing that. It's not that these other truths don't exist, but there's two truths that can live at the same time. And the truth is Latinas have a lot of fucking money. Like that's also true. And a lot of, a lot of Latinas are, we're ready to spend. Like if you give me two options and one option is just doesn't feel Lux, I don't want it. You know what I'm saying? Like if I'm looking at two options and one has a lower sticker price and the other one has a higher sticker price, if this is something that I'm going to invest into myself, into my business, trust me, I've gone through the freaking janky microphone plenty of times. Mm -hmm. I've gone through all the janky cheap things plenty of times. Y lo que te cuesta barato te sale caro, you know? Mm -hmm. So for me as a, as an entrepreneur and as a businesswoman, when I look at investing in things for myself and experiences, whatever the case may be, if I'm going to make an investment, I want to make the investment that is higher quality. And Mm -hmm. I want to buy it from a woman of color. That's Mm -hmm. my thing. And I know I'm not the only one. I know there's many of Latinas that feel the same way. And so the ability to, it, I think, you know, we discredit each other in thinking that there isn't Latinas that exist in this way, but there is. And I think that as we begin to invest more and more, we start to really embody that this, I don't want to necessarily call it luxury. It's just like having nicer things and nicer experiences. And second to that, which I want, and this is just for my, for my clients and my audience, like I want you to the same way I tell my clients and I tell you guys who listen to this all the time, I want you to tell yourself a story that like my audience is educated. My audience is smart. My audience knows what they're doing. And I, 
The same goes not just for your business, but also when you are creating your own investment portfolio. Like you're going to read Linda's book. You're going to be like, okay, now it's time to pick some stocks. And the first thing your brain's going to tell you is like, oh, you definitely don't know enough about this. Oh, you definitely should study this more. Maybe just procrastinate for two more months so you could do a little more research and a little more of this. And I just, the same way I preach to you week to week and like, you know what you're doing in your business. You're smart. You're educated. Like tell yourself that story and do it while you're building wealth too. Like, cause that's the truth is you are educated. You are smart. You wouldn't be here. You wouldn't be learning, listening to podcasts, reading books, doing all this if you weren't. It's just Absolutely. Yes. And it's, you know, it's not like the book is, is really simple. As I was mentioning earlier, very, very relatable, very digestible, but it's also understanding that, you know, how much have you invested into Apple already by way of gadgets? Like how much have you purchased into certain companies already by way of gadgets? It's important to understand that the only thing you're doing here, the only difference is that this is actual equity. This is an actual security that you can then later present against a loan that goes towards your entire portfolio and your actual value, your worth in number, you know, credit. Um, it, it starts to turn into something that's tangible and that you can pass down. I think that it can feel intimidating. So we make it a lot more harder than what it is. And also we have this perception that it's only for wealthy people. And then of course we also have the perception that wealthy people are greedy. So there's a lot that we're having to break through as we navigate this specific space. But it's important to understand that greed is something that is not only for wealthy people. It's something that exists in you. It's something that exists in me. It is a human behavior that we need to move past. And so holding on to your money and not making an investment towards the betterment of your future, your children, your family, and your community can also be seen as a form of greed. So if you're not able to let that money go and invest it, that can also be seen as a form of greed. If I was a DJ, I would cut that and then I'd put it on repeat. <laughs> like that, 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 over and over. Mike effing drop. Linda, thank you so much for sharing your story with us, for showing us that a badass Latina who has done some incredible things in her life, is writing a book, is living the dream, the first level. I'm sure you got more dreams way beyond this, but who's living the dream is also very human and also has a very, very, very human life and has gone through real shit and all, and, and was able and is showing us and is paving the way like literally is paving the way for so many people behind you. Um, Thank you so much for your time, for your energy, for just for, for your heart. Thank you so much for being here. Yes. Thank you so much, Kat, for having me. I appreciate you making the space today. I do want to tell your listeners that we are pre-selling the book so you can get it at Target, Amazon, Walmart, Barnes and Noble, 
Um, I'll, I'll, we take a credit from your Audible monthly as well. If you want to get the audio book, I did. I'm going to, I'm going to tell you, I want you guys to get the hard copy. I'm just going to say it. (laughs) I want you to get the hard copy. And I also want you, if, if you have a desire to get the book, I want you to literally open the app right now. And I want you to go to Barnes Noble or Target or Amazon, right? One of those. Yes. I want you to open it. And I just want you to buy it pre-sale. I know that in book deals and when you're writing a book, the pre-sale numbers are very important. And, are. If, and this book is one of its kind in the investing stock picking world. So let's support each other and let's support Linda. I know a lot of my listeners like already know you and listen to you. So like, this is the, like when we talk about supporting other Latinas, like this is the time to do that. And yes. if you're my client, you're getting the book. I'm getting all my clients, the book, um, oh my literally, I was supposed to buy earlier, but we're going to pre-sell it this week. Cause I, I told my VA today, I was like, can we get it this week? Um, yeah, I'm getting, I'm, I'm more than 10. I heard that's important. Um, and, and I just want everyone to have more access to that. I don't talk about this a lot. So, and I'm just not the expert in it. So I want them to learn from an expert. So thank you so much. I appreciate you. We love what you're doing. We're rooting for you. And I always tell my clients, like you're paving a way. All my clients were paving and I like picture it. Like we're paving the way you are paving such a way. And thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Hey, amiga, if you are not on my email list, you are missing out on some juicy content. I share sales and marketing tips every single week. Plus, you're the first to know about new freebies and webinars and all the other things fun happening. To get on the list, sign up for my free training, How to Sell Out for figure Offers. This training will also shift your mindset around what it really takes to book out your coaching business. So sign up in the show notes or on my website, katdelcarmen.com to be added to the email list. I will see you next time. Mwah.